I uh, have a real sense that the beginning of 2008, the Spirit of the Lord was saying to me, in fact, it was being said to me at the end of 2007, the Lord said to me, get the army in order. Get the army in order. And so I began to just scour all the different areas of ministry and things that we do as a people and uh, began to be sensitive to the Spirit of God as well as looking in the, in the natural as to things that we needed to bring order to. And I began to think about, in fact, I could have even preached from this particular passage. How many of you know when Gideon went to battle, there were 30,000 people that initially showed up? But then God said, okay, we're going we're to have to whittle some of this away because, because you can't go to battle with this group. And as you'll remember the story, I think about half of them left right away. And, and then when it finally got whittled down, there was about 300 left. But that was God's way of bringing things into order in order to go into battle. And so Gideon, in order to face the Midianites, had to have the army in order. And in much the same way, I felt like the Spirit of the Lord was saying, just let's get the army in order. Because if you're going to build something or you're going to war, you need to know who's going to battle with you. And, and that's very important. I mean, if you're facing a battle, isn't it good to know who's got the shield next to you? So that's what we're going to begin to do. And, and so I'm really going to teach you this morning. In fact, once again, I, I said to myself, Kevin, teach the people. Don't holler, don't yell, don't do it. You know, I'll probably holler and yell. So, but I am trying to teach you some things this morning that I think are very important. And I've entitled the lesson, The Power of Connecting to a Local Church. The Power of Connecting to a Local Church. I have been a pastor since 1984. You can do the math. And through the years, I have contemplated what it means to be a member of a local church. Now, it does not matter what church you go to. It doesn't matter what the label is on the front of the building. Every church has either a defined or an undefined way of determining who is connecting to them. I mean, everybody does. I mean, some ways are clearly stated. Other ways are just the culture of the church and how it's developed. Now, the reason, though much of it is defined, is because as a pastor, you'd like to know who's with you and who's not with you when you're going into battles, when you're going into challenges, when you're doing the work of the ministry. You need to be able to identify who it is that you can begin to build a ministry with and begin to release responsibility to. Here's the problem, though, that you probably don't face, but since I read the Bible a lot and I think about these things, it's a problem for me. And that is the Bible never really addresses the concept of membership. You can read all through the scriptures and you will never find membership as most of us have come to understand it in our 21st century church expression or our church understanding. Never in the scripture do we find at the church of Jerusalem them holding membership classes. We just don't see that. We don't see them finding some way to funnel them information or go through certain hoops in order to have people officially join with what was going on there at Jerusalem or Antioch or eventually the other places that began to develop uh, in the early uh, first century. Now, let me just say, that's not to say that there wasn't some form of connection. You need to understand that the Bible does declare that there's some form of connection that exists between believers. Otherwise, how could you have all those uh, 
be ye whatever to one another. In fact, one of the phrases is be ye members of one another. And so we can see that there's this connection that takes place in the scripture. But the question is, how exactly do you connect? Now, my frustration through the years has been, and I tried to think of the best word that I could use to describe this and allow me to define it if you don't know what it means, but I use the word frivolity. How many of you know what frivolity means? Frivolousness. Frivolousness is usually the lack of thought or the lack of understanding or just the, the, the sort of maybe lethargic, apathetic, just whimsical way that people make the particular decision as to whether or not they may connect with a local church. I've kind of watched, particularly as of late, you know, I, I've been in this quite a long time now. I was saved in 1978, so, so it's been 30 years now since I've been born again. So I've kind of gone through church culture for a good long while now. And, and I have been amazed as of late when I just watch, and this is an observation, that a lot of people sort of treat connecting to a local church a lot like getting a rewards card at Office Depot. They sort of sign up and get the card, and then whenever they show up, they can, they can get it scanned and you get extra points. Now, now I've had people, and I'm just giving you my experiences. Now, again, this isn't being, I'm just giving you an observation, giving you anecdotal stories so you can understand kind of where I look at it or where I see it. I've had people join the church, and then two weeks later come up to me and said they felt led to go somewhere else. I had people join the church, and there was one Sunday, and we rejoiced, and then I never saw them again. Couldn't find them. Their phone number didn't even work. And so I don't know all that goes through a person's mind when they decide they're going to link up. I suppose some people link up because there's truly spiritual reasons. Some people link up because they like to network. Other people link up because it's their community. Other people link up maybe for other carnal reasons like the resume or their business. But I just want you to get a beginning picture, at least, from your pastor as to why it is important, at least at some level or at some point, for me to be able to begin to identify who is it that I can build something with? Who is it that you can begin to, to look at and say, okay, they're going to link up, they're going to be there, we can, we can build what God's asking us to build together? Again, I'm not making a critical comment, I'm just making an observation that somewhere in that mix, that uh, understanding has to come to pass. Now, I'm not going to bore you with all the centuries of historical details of how New Testament Christianity got to where it is today. Let it suffice to say this, that in the mind of Jesus, when he originally used the term church, and he said that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. I will share with you that in his mind, originally, it was never intended to be just this organization. You need to get a hold of that. Jesus wasn't thinking that somehow along the way, he was going to build an organization that was going to have to worry about incorporation, that was going to have to make sure all the ducks were in a row so they could get their 501c3 status. He wasn't thinking in terms of having this organization and that organization and flow charts and P&L sheets and all the things that 
an organization now does. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but we got to get back at least initially to the understanding that wasn't what was in Jesus's mind originally. Are you with me? In fact, Jesus, when he thought about the church, was not thinking about an organization or a corporation. He was thinking more like family. That's more of what was going on in his mind. And the question that I started to work through was, how do you join your family? Now, let's just think about this in the natural for just a moment. The answer is, you were born into it. Or you were adopted into it. Or somehow or another, you were received. Some of you have, have what you would call family, but it's not official, but yet you would consider that your family. And you were somehow received into it. That's how you joined up or you linked up with that particular family. Now, I'm going to explain what church means at a universal level, and then I'm going to come back to the local church. When you were born again, if this morning you can say, yes, I know I'm born again, yes, I know I'm saved, yes, I know I'm right with God, the Bible tells us that at the moment we were born again or at the moment we were saved, we became a part of what many people call the church universal. You were born again into the church. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to get your Bibles out because I'm going to read some things to you that are very important. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. Now, again, this may, I, I, I'm not telling you that God's going to give you a hundredfold blessing this morning. This is teaching you something that you need to get because if the foundation is not right, you can't build anything upon it. Hear me now. If your foundation is not right, God can lay millions of dollars on you. How many of you know lottery winners get millions of dollars and most of them are broke within a year or two? You know why? It's because they didn't have the foundation of understanding how to handle finance. So God can dump big stuff on you. He's got no problem with that. The problem is most of us have not ordered our life in such a way or maybe even ordered a ministry in such a way in order that if he were to dump it, it could be used to build upon 1 Corinthians 12, 12, once you were born again, once you were saved, this is what the Bible says. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Then it says, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we have all been made to drink into one spirit. So Paul says here, he says that when you were born again, you were baptized by the Spirit. Now, it's not the same as the baptism with the Holy Spirit that we talk about on the day of Pentecost. But there is an activity of the Spirit that takes place when you are born again that literally brings you into the church of Jesus Christ. You become a part of the body of Christ. He uses the analogy of a body. And, and so we all understand that you may be a hand, you may be an arm, you may be a leg, you may be a finger or a toe. I don't know what your place in the body may be, but the body is one. And when you were born again, you came into that universal church. It is the church that has no denominational affiliation. It is not a Baptist church. It is not a Methodist church. It is not a Lutheran church. It is not an Episcopalian church. It is not an independent church. It is not just legacy even. It is the first and only church of Jesus Christ. This church has members from all denominations and from all fellowships. Those who testify that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior, no matter what the label is outside on the building, they are a part of that church. You with me now? See, I was starting to holler there. 
All right, I'll back off a little. The book of Hebrews. Turn to Hebrews real quick. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12, 22. He's talking about this company of believers and the good news of what will take place in this great company of believers. He says, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. So here once again, we read that when you're born again or when you're saved, you are brought into this general assembly. You are brought into what is called the church. The church. It's the universal church. It's the church that exists all around the world. It's what, it, what, it's what links me by my faith to other people. And they may be in other denominations or other fellowships, but I am linked to them by virtue of the fact that the same person who dwells in me dwells in them. And that makes us family. You're with me. Family. Now, I want you to remember, though, this. That you can be a member of an earthly church, but not necessarily a member of this church. Are you with me? In other words, you can walk around and say, well, I'm, a, I'm Baptist, I'm Episcopalian, I'm Methodist, I'm Lutheran, I'm Catholic. You, you, whatever the label. I'm go, I go to Legacy. You can have the label... But just because you're a part of a local church doesn't necessarily make you part of that general assembly. Are you with me? That is very important because some people think because I am a fill-in-the-blank, because I'm a Catholic, because I'm an Episcopalian, because I'm a Methodist, a Lutheran, a Charismatic, a Pentecostal, because I am, therefore, I must be okay. No, you're not okay because of the label on the church. You're okay because of Jesus who is in you. You're with me. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. I know for some of you, you're going, I get it. I know it. I, I get that. But I'm going somewhere with it. So you can be a member of an earthly church, but not a member of this church. And truth of the matter is there are people, and I believe this. Now, again, I, I, you're going to hear why I don't think it's a good thing. But I believe you can be a member of that great general assembly. But not a member of an earthly church. And you know what I think? I think both have their place. Now, obviously, you need to be a member of that church first. But I'm going to tell you why it's important to be a member of a local church. And our first priority, obviously, is to get people into that general assembly that Jesus Christ paid for by his own blood and atonement. But there are people, and this is the ones I want to visit with and talk to. There are people who stop at that point and say that's all there is. That's the only real church, is the one that exists in that great general assembly. They would say that they're part of the greater body of Christ. Therefore, they're members of all churches. I've met people. They would say, well, I really don't belong to any church. I belong really to all churches because I confess Jesus Christ, and I know him, and because I know him, I'm a part of every church. And at first, that sounds good. It sounds spiritual. And to an extent, I would agree it is true. But the problem is that there is no tangible connection to another people or to even a pastor or a shepherd, both of which the Bible says are important aspects of our life. 
So while we can be connected to Jesus, the Bible says we also need a connection to people around us. And the problem is, and again, I'm just making generalizations. I'm not saying this is everybody. I'm just saying as a pastor, you can hear my perspective and some of my heart. I have noticed through the years that people that would say I'm connected to the greater body, but they're reluctant to connect to a local church, usually struggle with the concept of their individualism versus their commitments, their accountabilities, their oversights, and sometimes even authority. It's hard to be under authority when you never land. It's hard to be accountable. And these are concepts the Bible talks about. These aren't my concepts. These are biblical concepts. It's hard to be members of one another when you're really not a member of anything. And so, yes, I affirm, you can be a part of the universal church. You can be saved. I'm not questioning your salvation. But you can be just as saved as can be and be isolated. You can be alone. You can be fruitless. You can be vulnerable. You can be unprotected and not nearly as purposeful as you could be if you would connect with a group that's going somewhere in God. Are you with me now? I'm not saying you're not spiritual. I'm not saying you don't love God. I'm just saying that we need to make sure we're being everything that God has called us to be. So let me go through this for just a minute and share with you what I've come to understand after all these years. What is the purpose of a local church? What's the purpose of a local church? Why join one? Is it necessary? What's the point? Is it really that big a deal? Is it something that I really need to do? Why can't I just come and go and all the other things? Well, let me give you a definition of what I've defined as a local church. I didn't read this in a book. I've just kind of scrawled it out and thought about it and wrote it down. And this is what I've come to, at least for this moment. A local church is an earthly expression of God's people gathering together in unity to accomplish a part of the harvest or the kingdom vision of the Father. I'll say that again. A local church is an earthly expression of God's people gathering together in unity to accomplish a part of the harvest or the kingdom vision of the Father. So I believe that every local church, now I'm talking about a church that actually is committed to the lordship of Jesus Christ. I'm not talking to everything that just says it's a church. There are churches out there that call themselves churches. And although usually, I'm not going to name names, but I'm just saying there are denominational type settings out there. And, and they're no more committed to the lordship of Christ than the man in the moon. It, it's like whatever you want to believe, it's okay with us. And I, I'm telling you, that's not what Jesus established and died for. I mean, there are people, you can come in and you can be Buddhist, you can be Muslim, you can be Hindu, you can be whatever. You can worship the great spirit of the trees. You can worship the rock, the triangle, the crystal, you know, your baseball bat. You can worship anything you want. And you can be okay. It's just you're on a spiritual journey and you just come on and be a part of our church. Well, that's not the church. But there is a church that is out there that are good local churches that have a piece of the greater kingdom work. In other words, there's nobody, I believe this, that nobody, no one church has all the pieces to the kingdom puzzle that's to be put together in any one city, region, or location. So I understand completely that legacy is not the only work in the city. I understand that. I understand that we aren't the end all. We are a part 
In fact, I'll go so far to say this, that because we are a part of what God is doing, we're not the whole, but we are a part of what God is doing, I can still say I think we're a very important part. I mean, you don't realize how important your thumb is till you don't have one. You don't realize how important your little toe is till you don't have it. I'm just telling you, the city may not know how important we are until it ain't here. But we have an important piece or important part, an integral part of God's vision for this city. And to connect with this church means you are connecting in a tangible way to God's greater purposes in this region. Now listen to me, every church, and I know this to be true, every church attempts to do the work of the ministry in a full and complete way. We do too. I mean, we we try to accommodate people with babies and, and the nursery and the children's work and the youth work and and, and we have different ministries that are in operation. And so we attempt to do the work of a ministry in a full and complete way. I believe every local church attempts to do that. We want to meet needs. We want to reach out. We want to be as, as broadly uh, reaching out as we can be. But the truth is, every church probably does one or two things really well. Because that's their assignment for that region. I believe that. I believe that there are churches, I'm not saying they can't do a lot of things good, but there's probably a couple things they do exceedingly well because that's their assignment in that particular area. And they need to be sure they're doing their assignment as well as possible. So that's what I believe to be a local church. Now, what does the local church provide? I mean, we're in a consumer-driven society, and so whenever you're participating in something, whenever your finances are being released, and I understand again that You know, releasing your tithe is not the same as going to Walmart and buying some goods down at Walmart. The tithe is the Lord's. If you think that releasing your tithe means that somehow or another you're purchasing something, you have missed the point of the scripture. That releasing your tithe is releasing your tithe. It's giving unto God. That's when you're sowing. If you're releasing with strings attached, then you're either investing or you're purchasing, but you've cut yourself out of the possibility of God blessing. He's blessed when you release it with no strings attached. But let's get beyond that. What does the church provide? Let's just say for a moment, I just say, okay, I'm going to fall into the consumer mentality for just a moment. And, and, and let me enumerate just in four or so areas what it is that the local church does that is unique uh, concerning any organization or any gathering. Number one, the local church provides spiritual covering and endorsement. There were several times in the scripture that Paul spoke of the umbrella of protection. Hupotasso is the word in the Greek. Sometimes it's translated authority. Sometimes it's translated covering. But I believe there is a covering that takes place when we begin to function under authority, when we begin to connect with the local church. In fact, Paul used that particular understanding in order to help God's people out. In fact, some of the verses in the back of the epistles that never get read are some of the most interesting verses if you ever take the time to read them because Paul would end his letters by saying, hey, church at at Philippi or church at Thessalonica, um, let me just tell you, so-and-so, Epaphroditus is going to come and visit you, so receive him. Tychicus is going to come to your place, so make sure you take care of him when he comes. How could he do that? Because there was connection there. He knew these people, and so... He, he would say, yep, I know them, they're from me, they're from Antioch, they're good people, receive them. But then how many of you also know, he said, there's Hymenaeus and Alexander, 
They did me much harm. Don't you, don't you receive them. Demas, he said, hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. I mean, how would, your, how would you like it for your name to be forever memorialized in the scriptures for time and eternity? I would love to be Epaphroditus, I'll just tell you that right now. Hymenaeus, I'm not so sure. But for time and eternity, that was inspired by the Holy Spirit to communicate something to us. And that is because Paul was trying to share some things. In fact, concerning Hymenaeus and Alexander, he said, I'm releasing them. He actually said, I'm releasing them as unto Satan so that their soul might yet be saved. How do you do that? You know how you do it? That's where we get excommunication from. It's actually saying, you know what? They ain't, they ain't floating with this boat, so they got to be released. Now, again, that, that's, that's a whole other subject way down the road. But I'm simply saying that Paul understood that there was this covering. There was this endorsement. People were spared from learning things the hard way or being taken advantage of spiritually. You're protected. In other words, if pastor, let's say Pastor Baird invites somebody to come in and he begins prophesying here in the church. Well, you have some level of confidence that if Pastor Baird invited him to come and he's prophesying and releasing words, then there should be some level of confidence that that's, that's okay to receive. But if you just get somebody out there in a parking lot or somebody out there somewhere and they start speaking to you and if you were to look at them and say, well, who are you connected to and, and, and where do you relate or where do you go to church? And they go, brother, I'm just a part of the body at large. You know what that means? I don't answer to anybody. I don't, I'm just out here on my own. Now, if you want to accept that, that's your business. But I'm telling you, there is a, 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 a safety, at least for me. They didn't get that. There's a safety for me. In understanding that I can enjoy some things by, by being connected to a local church. All right, spiritual resourcing. Spiritual resourcing is number two. What does the local church provide? It provides a place of ministry, a place of prayer, a place of counseling, a place of instruction, a place of guidance, a place of direction from a what we would call proven source. Now, I could give a bunch, I could list 20 items, I would suppose, of things that you could receive spiritually by way of resourcing from a local church. Now, let me ask you this question. I, I, let me tell you a quick little story. This summer, before we went on vacation, for the first time in a long time, I took um, my wife's Kia over to a quick lube shop in order to get the oil changed. Usually, I took it down to the Kia dealer because we had a special deal with them. But I was, I was running out of time. I needed to do this in a hurry. So I took it to a quick lube shop in the area. And they changed the oil in it. And uh, I assumed everything was fine and okay. Drove however long it was out to the Lake of the Ozarks. Parked it in my dad's garage there at the lake. And the last day we were at the lake, because I didn't even think about my car until the last day, we walked out there and there was this big puddle of oil underneath the car. My dad looked at me and said, that doesn't look good. I said, you think? <laughs> And, and so we wiped it up and I got under there and I noticed that uh, they had not tightened that screw that goes on that uh, place underneath there, the oil pan, where you drain your oil from, that, that had not been tightened well. So I got, you know, the, the ratchet out and I ratcheted and tightened it up and got it right and filled up and, and praise God there was nothing that went wrong with the vehicle because I caught that in time. But I remember driving back how just kind of irritated and frustrated I felt because it could have really been a significant problem. And I thought to myself, that's what I get. It's what I get 
for going to the place, you know, that, that I've never been and I don't know what's going on. And if I would have just stuck with who I always stuck with, there was at least a sense that they were confident and could get to me that which I needed. Well, can I just share that a local church is important because you just don't want anybody and everybody changing your oil all the time. Are you with me? I mean, some of us are more concerned about our cars than we are about our spiritual resourcing. I mean, you've got to start getting concerned about who's inputting you. And, and I'm just here to tell you, and I'm not saying there's great works all over this region and all over America. So know my heart. There are wonderful, great churches. But I'm just here to tell you, if, if, if you aren't getting input and resourced, and if the well ain't happening, then you need to say, i got to get to where my oil gets changed regular. They look under the hood. They keep this thing called my life running. And I'm getting where I need to go. I'm here to tell you, I ain't going back to Jose's, Butch's, or whatever. I'm going back to who I know can change my oil right. Are you with me in the analogy? Spiritual resourcing. Who are you going to let resource you? Who are you going to let speak into your life? Who are you going to let do that? I mean, I let all kinds of people. I mean, I listen to tapes and stuff and, and watch TV and ministries. But there are some people that I, I listen to. I, I know whose voice I listen to. Spiritual resourcing. Number three, spiritual inheritance. When the children of Israel went into the land, the Bible says that they were given their portion by what tribe they were a part of. So in other words, here's five million Jewish people who are walking into their land. They're walking in with Joshua. Joshua then begins to parcel out the inheritance or the promise of God. Now this is interesting to me because... They got their inheritance by virtue of what tribe they were associated with. They didn't just get an inheritance because they showed up with these five million people. They, they got their inheritance because they were a part of Reuben, Gad, Simeon, Levi. They were part of one of these tribes. And so, so Joshua parceled out the inheritance according to what tribe they were attached to. And the Lord spoke to me about that one day. And he said, you know what? I've got promises for all my people. And certainly he has individual promises, don't misunderstand. He does have individual promise for you. But I believe there's a corporate promise. There's a corporate promise that exists within a house of God. There's a promise that exists within the house of legacy. And this is what I believe. I believe that there, if there's a connection that takes place within the house, that the promises of God that exist amongst us as a people begin to be transferred to those who say, I want to be a part of that tribe. That tribe, because they have an inheritance, they have a promise, they have a destiny. And, and, and so this local church is a tribe. We're the legacy tribe. There are Baptist tribes and Lutheran tribes and Episcopal tribes. Hear me now, I understand there are great local churches. They're all tribes, they all have an inheritance as unto the Lord. But, but in order for that inheritance to be appropriated, I believe that a connection, a link up, has to take place. And then number four, I believe what the local church provides is spiritual and natural support. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says this. It says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Everybody needs somebody. Now, I don't care who you are. You may say, well, not me. I don't need anybody. Well, you're just, you're just blind right now. 
I guarantee you that God can make your life miserable. You could be taken down a path to where everything's falling apart and you're going to need somebody. Everybody needs somebody. I, there are many times I think I don't need anybody, but I'm here to tell you I need people. I need people in my life. Everybody needs a support system. And this is what's interesting to me. In the day and age that we live in, some of you will instantly identify with this. I can remember growing up when I was going through grade school, growing up in a neighborhood, and everybody knew everybody. I mean, all the kids knew each other. We had block parties. I mean, if you got in trouble at the neighbor's house, that neighbor's mom could whoop you just as surely as your own mom could. I mean, I remember that. I remember just the community that existed within neighborhoods. Well, we don't have that anymore in America. We no longer know our neighbors. We no longer interact with those who are in our neighborhoods. And so we find communities in other ways. Unfortunately, some people find, you know, communities down at the local bar. And, and they're going to go down there. And, and, and there's a community that exists, the reason they keep showing up. I went and played golf the other day on one of those really super cold mornings and walked in. And there were about 15 seniors there sitting around drinking coffee in the clubhouse on the golf course. And they, they didn't have any inkling of going out and playing golf. But why were they there early in the morning? That was their community. That was where they interacted and shared stories and did all that they do. Do you understand that in the day we live in, church, I believe this, the house of God has to become a community. This is, I'll be honest with you, this is my community. I, there's really not much interaction. I mean, I do have interactions, and many of you do too. Nothing wrong with that, and we should. But there's a community or a support system that exists within the house of God. There's a shoulder to cry on. There's somebody to laugh with. There's a voice that can look at you and tell you that God isn't through with you yet and he still has a plan for you and you can make it and you need those kinds of voices. But that's what a local church does. It's a place of spiritual and natural support. So if I stop there and I were to say there's power in connecting to a local church, I would hope everybody could say amen. Amen. There's power in connecting to a local church. Now I want to share with you and again bear with me. Because I'm trying to teach you and I'm realizing teaching isn't as fun sometimes as exhortation. But how do you connect with a local church? What's the process? I started to really think about this. This is all my stuff, my material. This is just what I started to conceive for myself as to how people connect with a local church and, and the processes they go through. Number one is they go through what I call the consideration phase. The consideration phase. The consideration phase is what I call the check it out phase. Yeah, I'm going to attend this church, but I'm going to check it out. I mean, what's it like? What do they do? Are they friendly? Are they not friendly? Um, is it somewhere I can relate to? Do I like the pastor? You know, do I like the music? Do I not like the music? Do I, I, mean, I, mean, there's, I mean, there could be a hundred things on your list in the consideration phase, but it's the phase that people review things to see if this meets whatever criteria they are looking for. Sometimes they know the criteria. Sometimes they don't know the criteria. Sometimes they think they know the criteria and it's not God's criteria. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of ways this can go, but it's the consideration phase. And this is the part where people begin to look and say, is this someplace that I want to worship and I want to participate and, 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 and I could sense God in? Is, is this one of those kinds of places? And usually the consideration phase only lasts just a few weeks. Because most people in the day and age we live in are going to make up their mind very quickly. Now, I would say this, and 
It may apply to you, it may not. But I think you ought to give some place three, four, five times. Because everybody has an off Sunday. And everybody has a Sunday that they're better than they really are. I always like those Sundays. You know, you do something that's really better than how you really do it. And so it makes you look like, all right, this is the place to be. But you ought to give it at least four or five times and at least get, 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 a, get a sense of what it is that God is doing there in your consideration phase. Now, after consideration phase comes number two. I call it consent phase. Consent phase. There comes a moment when someone in their mind now that's just all going on in their mind, they say, okay, I like this. I feel like God's here or whatever, however they're making that decision. And they say, I, I, I will call this my church. I'm going to begin to stick my toes in the water here. I'm going to begin to assimilate into this gathering. I'm deciding that I'm going to attend here more consistently. Now, I have found that this phase is the one that can last a long, 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 long time. It can even last years. Why is that? I have come to this conclusion. The, reali- the, re- the reason why people, they can move quickly from consideration to consent and say, yeah, I'll stick here, but that they stay at this level for so long is because of baggage. There's fear. There could be hurt. There could be bad experiences. They may say, well, you know, I, I went to church for years and I had a bad experience. Can I just share this with you? If you've been in church life more than two weeks, you will have a bad experience. I've been in it 30 years. We won't even go through all my bad experiences. So if, you're, if you've got a bad experience in your resume, I, I, I do. I, I sympathize with you. I wish it weren't so. But I'm going to say again, we are people. We are human beings. Capable of being an incredible blessing and capable of doing some pretty rotten things. And if you have a bad experience in church life, then welcome to the club. I'll give you your badge. I'll give you your papers. That's another baptism nobody tells you about until you have it. It's the baptism of bad experience. We've all got one. Somebody said something. Somebody hurt me. Somebody looked a different way. Somebody, somebody did this. Somebody did, okay, okay. It's a bad experience. So you have your fears. You have your concerns. You have your cautions. And they may well be justified. And you know what? There may be some wisdom to tracking that thing slowly and not instantly but at least understand why it is that you're moving at the pace you're moving it's because something has taken place that's kind of holding you you say yes i li- i like what i sense i like what i feel i like what i hear i, I like the sense of god but i i just don't know if i'm going to go any further then we get to the third phase when people break through some of those things they get to what i call the committed phase the committed phase is where the vast majority of folks eventually land. You're at church the majority of time. You're attending here. You know people. People know you. You may even serve in an area. This is where most Christians land, and they will dwell there for the rest of their lives. They, they will commit to something. Whatever the processes are in that local church, you begin to move through the processes. You begin to assimilate into the culture. You begin to do what is done in that particular local church, and that's the committed phase. And then finally, the fourth one, which doesn't get talked about much at all. Most churches even stop there, but I believe there's one more phase, and it's the fourth phase. I call it the covenant phase. The covenant phase. This is one that not many get to, but it is one, I believe, that's important and needs just to be shared for a moment. This is what I call what is like a marriage. 
Now, I understand joining a church like anything isn't like your marriage. So I'm just using an analogy. So please just bear with me in the analogy. But covenant phase means that something's happened in your heart that you begin to say, you know what, for better or for worse, for good times or bad, I'm there. I'm there. I understand pastor's not always the greatest, but, you know, he's pastor, and I, I'm linked up with pastor. And so I'm there. It's, it's, like, it's like your marriage. I mean, there's good days and there's bad days. There's challenges and there's wonderful joys. There's all sorts of myriads of experiences. Does, does divorce or separation happen? Certainly it does happen. We, 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 we don't like that. It's not something we, we look at and say that ought to happen. But, you know, in church life as a whole, I mean, I understand because I like it when people come. It's tough for me to see it when people go. I'll be the first one to say that. But I understand that God can do that. He can bring people to you. He can release people from you. And you've got to let God be a part of that because that's going to be a part of the overall body of Christ. So I understand that. There's some of you here today, you know, you may be feeling God's bringing you here and you've got to be released from somewhere else. And that's a tough thing. I understand that. But I also understand that there are people who have been with me that are released to go somewhere else. And that's not a fun thing either. And so we all got to do what God's telling us to do. But there is a group that eventually gets to the place where they say, you know what? I'm, I'm with you, Pastor. I'm, the, I'm with you. We're going to build something together. And it's a righteous knitting that takes place. It's a knitting of the spirit. It's like when David and Jonathan got together. A lot of people try to corrupt that and make that a corrupted passage, but it said that the soul of Jonathan was knit to David. In fact, Jonathan had such a commitment to, to David, he even, he even broke his family commitment with his own dad, Saul, because he knew God was at work at what was going on in David's life. And so that enables this greater relationship and ministry to exist. And, and that's an important phase, and I believe it's a scriptural phase. Now, you don't get to number four overnight. In fact, you probably shouldn't get there overnight. But you can see, hopefully, that identifying where people are at as a pastor can help you determine who it is that you can trust and who it is that you can release things to and who it is you can build with and who it is that will stand with you. Now, don't misunderstand me. Every person in every category is a good person. You're a Christian person. You love God. You're on a journey. There's nothing wrong with you. This has nothing to do with your salvation. It has nothing to do with your spirituality. Can I just share this with you? If for some reason something happened and tomorrow I was put in a position, let's say even with my family, I was put in a position that I had to go now attend another local church. If I was put in that position, I myself would have to go through all of these phases in order to begin to determine whether or not this is where God was leading me to dwell. So you just don't jump in on day one and say, I'm in covenant. I've had people do that before, and inside I go, yeah, we'll wait and see if you're in covenant or not. We'll wait and see the first time there's a little fuss whether you're in covenant. A lot of people will say they're in covenant, but it's amazing what happens when that gets tested. Every relationship eventually gets tested. I learned that from my pastor one time. He said, you know, every relationship gets tested. And boy, isn't that the truth. And you never know what that relationship is made out of till it gets tested. You just, if everything's good and great and smiles and happy, that's wonderful. But that doesn't mean you know what the relationship is built on. The relationship is built on when you can look someone in the eye and you might say something that isn't exactly perfect and they may get a little rubbed by it, but they aren't scrambling out the door first thing. Are you with me? 
See, that's, that's what relationship is about. And so you can imagine how much a pastor would like for people to begin to process or to move through these phases in order to begin to move forward in ministry. I, I don't think that's an unreasonable thought to begin to conceive. The question is, how do you connect and at what point does that connection take place? Turn to First Chronicles. And I've taught from this before, but I'm going to just mention it again because this is being recorded. In 1 Chronicles chapter 12, I'm going to read you verses 16 through 18. An unusual passage here, but it, but it teaches me about what connecting is all about. Now, I've often taught this, and those of you that have gone through discovery classes or school of leader classes, and, and if you've been with me through the years, you'll have heard me say this probably a thousand times. But you know the phrase... The cross changes only what the cross was designed to change. You remember that phrase? And that's why, for instance, in the New Testament, the reason we don't see a lot of uh, illustration about how you praise the Lord in the New Testament is because how we praise the Lord never changed from the Old Testament. If they shouted and jumped and lifted their hands and they spun, in the Old Testament, how much more would you do it under a new covenant? The cross didn't change that. Now, the cross did change whether or not you and I bring animals to service with us. It did change that. Because he became the perfect lamb. So it did change that. So when it comes to connection, I, I, I finally got to the place. Why is it that I don't see how people connected in the early church? Why is it that we don't see a, a pattern or, or an enumeration of how they did this in the early church? And then it dawned on me. It's because the way you connect, the cross didn't change that. Now, it changed in as much as when we get into that great general assembly, we go through Jesus Christ. But when we're connecting to our earthly tribe, how is it that we connect? And I found a picture. In 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 16, it says this. Now listen as I go through this. It says, Then some of the sons of Benjamin and Judah came to David at the stronghold. And David went out to meet them and answered and said to them, if you've come peaceably to me to help me, my heart will be united with you. But if to betray me to my enemies, since there is no wrong in my hands, may the God of our fathers look and bring judgment. Then the spirit came upon Amasai, chief of the captains, and he said, We're yours, O David. We're on your side, O son of Jesse. Peace, peace to you and peace to your helpers, for your God helps you. So David received them and made them captains of the troop. Isn't that an interesting passage? David's army was growing after the death of Saul. Saul had just passed away, and so everything was in this chaotic mess. And some of the Benjaminites, which is one of the tribes, some of the Benjaminites who had formally allied themselves with Saul. In other words, they were sort of on Saul's side. They were now wanting to know if they could join up with David. Well, you can imagine that in David's mind, he began to think through how he should respond to those who were once his enemies. I mean, the Benjaminites were those who at one time stood on the other side, you know, throwing spears at him. And now they're wanting to link up with him. And so he was wanting to know whether or not this was legitimate. Because how many of you know the Bible says, love your enemies? It even says that under an old covenant. So here's David, who's got a heart after God. He's trying to figure out how in the world can I, can I know if this is legitimate or not. 
Because sometimes what we get and what the New Testament says is you can get a wolf in sheep's clothing. You can get someone who has a different agenda or a a different spirit. And the only reason they're there is not to help but to cause havoc. So David says, how do I work through this? Because this isn't just having a a church fuss. This is, he could slit my throat. So David goes through a list of questions before he instantly says, yeah, come and join up. And I've come to the conclusion that this is the starting place for what we would call connecting or membership. Now, I believe this happens at the consent phase. Number two, maybe you've been here four or five weeks. Maybe you you said to yourself, I believe this is my local church. I believe this is where God's leading me. And so you're working through the issues of the consent phase. As you're working through those issues, these are the things that need to go through your mind and in your heart to begin to finalize that decision as to whether or not you're going to link up and be a part of this particular tribe. These are the questions. Number one is this. Are you at peace? Are you at peace? Now, the first type of peace you need is to be at peace with God. Are you saved? You can't link up with the church on earth until you link up with the first assembly. The the, the one, the, the universal church. So you need to understand that you need to be at peace with God first and then have peace in your heart. If you want to link up here, can I just share with you, be at peace. If you've got a fussy spirit, then get rid of it. If, if you feel like you've got a propensity to be negative or critical, go to encounter. But be at peace. Be at peace. No striving. No carnal ambition. Just begin to be at peace. Find your peace. Where's your peace? And I'm talking about peace of spirit. I'm not talking about peace of mind. I'm, I mean, where, where is it in your heart that you have your peace? And if you're at peace, then you ought to dwell there. Because the Bible says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. So are you at peace? I've had people come with war in their heart. And I have, through the years, looked at them and said, hey, go fix that before you come here. I'm, I mean, you've got to be at peace before you come here. Are you at peace? Number two, will you help me? And not hurt me. That's what David said. Will you help me and not hurt me? Are you willing to be a servant? Are you willing to help? Here's a good one. Are you willing to fight the enemy and not me? I'll just say this. You're not my enemy. I don't want to be your enemy. The devil's the enemy. Are you with me? We wrestle not with flesh and blood. Most human beings have faced enough hurt that nobody wants to be hurt anymore. I mean, is there anybody in here that really wants to be hurt? I want to meet with you later and get you set up at the psych ward. I mean, nobody wants to be hurt. Everybody wants to be affirmed. And and, and so that's the question. Am I I willing to help? Because I I don't want to hurt, and, and I know you wouldn't want to hurt. Will you help me and not hurt me? Number three, is the Holy Spirit... At work in this decision. It says here that the spirit came upon Amasai. To cast your commitment to a church. Would entail a realization that God is in this decision. And can I just share this with you. We value the Holy Spirit here. I don't want the Holy Spirit in the back. In the closet on Wednesday night. I want the Holy Spirit up front and center. Although I do want the Holy Spirit and not the flesh. But. We want the Spirit of God involved in all of this. Is He leading you? And if He is leading you, then why don't you embrace that and begin your journey? 
The spirit came upon Amasai. Then it says, my next question is, will you embrace the vision of this house? He says, we're yours, David. We're yours. Here at Legacy, the way it's designed is, is that we believe that God uses people and he uses pastors. And through pastor, there's a vision that's articulated. And the Lord has given a vision, and I've articulated that. And of course, you can get all kinds of information, and I've preached on vision. And if you need to get one of those free CDs about the vision of the house, you can pick one of those up and listen to it again. But the Lord's given me a vision, and it's for reaching, it's for delivering people, it's for discipling the harvest. And this church is set up apostolically, and I believe, because of what we put in place, it is a wineskin for the hour in which we live in order for God to release abundance through in order that he can build upon it. I've got no problem with other churches. I've got no problems and we can put any label you want out there, any denomination. I've got zero problem. My problem is, is that I've got to be a wineskin that oil can go through, wine can go through, his spirit can go through because that's what I believe we're called to do and be. I can't change 300 years of tradition. I'm convinced of that, but I don't have to be that. Now, if, if it's, you know, if you want to kneel and stand, kneel and stand, genuflect, get a palm cross, light candles, and you like that stuff, then we may not be for you. Now, as hard as that, do you know how hard that is for me to say that? That's not who I am. I've had people for years that go, why don't we sing more hymns? We've got to sing more hymns. You know, I'm just, I'm, hymns hurt me. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm not saying every now and then it's good. But if that's what you're looking for every Sunday, we probably ain't it. Are you with me? We're reaching the harvest. We're reaching people that are screwed up. Are you with me? That's how you got here. We can't, that's how I got here. Screwed up. Trying to get them unscrewed. We're working with people who are addicts and wounded and in bondage and hurt and trying to get their life back on track. And, and if you think all the stuff of that is where you want to be. I, I, I've got no problem. Be blessed. But I believe they need a good blast of Holy Ghost. <laughs> I mean, you just got to blast cocaine out of some people. You, 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 just, you, just got, you just got to get a sense of the presence of God that just, that just is thick in order to catapult some people out of their dysfunctionalities. Amen. We're, we're trying to finesse people out of their dysfunctionality and they need a good Holy Ghost. Pow! Amen. A good 60 seconds with the Holy Spirit to do it more good than 60 years with some of that stuff that goes on. In my opinion. But you've got to embrace that. I mean, I can prove everything I do. I can prove it by the scriptures. But that's the wineskin of the hour. So, so hear me. I mean, and I mean this, and I mean this lovingly. I, I wish I could tell you I've sat with some of you at lunch, and you know my heart, those of you that have done this. 
I've got no ought, really, against anybody. But if you, if you think it's going to be the way the Baptists do it, we ain't that. And if you think it's the way the Catholics do it, we ain't that. Or the way the Episcopalians or the Methodists or the Lutherans, I've got no problem with them, but we is legacy. See, that's who we are. And, we, and it's, just, it's just how we are. It's that culture. It's, it's not that we're the whole thing, but we are a part. And we're going to be our part. The next question. I don't even know if this is preaching. I don't know. It's at least teaching, isn't it? I don't know that I like the way it was put, but that's how the Bible put it. We choose a side. It says, we are on your side. Oh, son of Jesse. I hate, I, I'm going to be, first off, I'm going to be honest. I don't like, I don't like the way it was put in the scripture, but how many of you know, even if you don't like the scripture, it's still scripture. <laughs> I mean, I can't change it. And, and he just said, we're on your side, David. Now, I understand there's no battle, there's no fussing, there's no fighting, but there comes a moment you've got to cast your lot. There comes a moment when you connect. There comes a moment you connect with the church. Your priority becomes that local church. You support your local church. You attend your local church. You support it with your finances. You support it with your praying. You support it by being here. I mean, you choose. I, I mean, through, I'm just telling you, through the years, I've looked at people and said, well, what's the big deal, Pastor? We're a part of the greater body of Christ. Well, that's wonderful. I need you here to help me. Well, that seems selfish. No, it doesn't. It just we're trying to build a ministry and do a vision. Yes, I have a vision. Yes, I'm going to accomplish it. That is my mandate. I want somebody to come help me. Come help me. Amen. And, and, and so it's not about fighting like their side, our side. or It's not about that. It's just about where are you casting your lot? There comes a moment that you choose. You choose. And then lastly, F, it says, are you willing to say that publicly? The Bible says that David received them. And made them captains of the troop. Now I'm going to assure you because I know the Hebrew. That wasn't instantly. That wasn't immediately. That was eventually. They did. They became captains in that troop. You don't give a former enemy your sword instantly. You don't, you don't build trust in 10 seconds. Trust is built over some time. But trust comes. Because you're able to manifest the things that were committed to publicly. Now... Here's, here's what I'd like to do. I'm, I, I'm not going to put anybody on the spot. Everybody just stay relaxed. Stay, stay calm. I'm not going to do anything that's going to put you on the spot, but stay relaxed. Noah, I need you. you got a couple guys to come help me for just a second. And I want you to take those. Now, the Lord, I'm going back to the beginning. The Lord said to me, get the army in order. I'm going to tell you that through the years here at Legacy, I've kind of gone back and forth on some things, but I'm landing. Watch me land. Because of my experiences, there was a season I went through, you know, when people went to pre-encounter, they went to encounter, they did post-encounter, then I felt like they connected. And so for a long time, that was sort of my methodology for getting people connected into the local church. Well, I've, I've come to this opinion and that is, is that for whatever reason, people are at all different stages and at all different places in their journey. And you may not be at a place in your journey where you're wanting to open yourself up, maybe come to encounter. Maybe you're not at a place in your journey where, where you're comfortable with whatever it is, part of the process that you look at and say, I don't know about that. But you've reached the place where you've said, but you know, as a whole, pastor, I, I received from you. I would consider you my pastor. I've linked up with legacy and, uh, 
I'm a, I'm a part of what you're up to. And you know what? I want to affirm you. I'm not here to strong arm you into anything. I'm here to offer you what I feel like would help. But I'm not going to strong arm anyone. But there has to be a way that I, I kind of know. And, and what brought this to really a place where I had to know was is when we were going through all the process of uh, getting loans with regards to legacy and them asking the question because a bank wants to know who's with you and who's not. And they said, well, how many members do you have? Well, are you talking about those that have attend or those that have been to encounter? or the, the bank doesn't know that. Are you with me? They're just wanting to know how do you determine that. And, and most of them in their minds have certain formulas they work through that are based on a more traditional expression of church life. And, and so there was a moment or two that I almost felt if I didn't have opportunity to explain, I would have been penalized because I'm just not doing things traditionally. But it brought me back, and I believe it was by the Holy Spirit, to say, okay, well then, how are you going to function in a world? And how are you going to function and put things in order so you can know where you're going from here? And so this is what I believe the Lord said to me to do in this church for this year and maybe from this point forward. On the first Sunday of every month, I'm going to receive what we'll call members. We're going to receive people that want to connect with us. Now, that may not mean that they've been to encounter. It may not mean that they've been to consecrate. It may not mean that they even understand all the vision and the process of it. But what it means is this. It means what it says here on the card, which is, yes, I want to connect with legacy. It says, I affirm, number one, I know Jesus Christ is my personal Savior. In order to be a part of a local church, you need to be a part of the universal church. You need to know Jesus Christ. Secondly, you ought to be able to say, and I believe God's involved in this decision. I want to connect because I believe that's what the Lord has led me to do, to cast my lot here with you. And then finally, it says, I'm going to embrace, at least as much as I can understand at the moment, it doesn't say all that, but it says, I embrace the vision of legacy, believe the Lord would have me support it through my prayers, my tithe and offering, and my attendance. And I've come to the conclusion that instead of making it difficult in this area, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring down this barrier just a little bit because I, I'd like to know. Because right now, if, if you're here and you would say, I feel like legacy is my home and I, I feel like I'm connected here and I'm starting to know people and people know me. But yet you've not been through all the processes to where maybe I've gotten to know you or if there were something to happen in your life, we'd all wonder, are you connected here or not? We just need to settle it. Now, hear me. If you're comfortable with where you're at and you just say, well, pastor, I'm just still in the consideration. I'm just an attender. I'm not sure I'm ready to do that. I want you to keep coming. I'll still love you. And I'll still preach to you and minister to you. I understand if you're not there, nobody's strong arming you at this moment to do this. But I've got to put the house in order. How many of you were there at Legacy One? Remember that day when we received about 100 people into the church on day one? I mean... Uh, a lot of you were already there. So, so you folks have already been received into the church, okay? But there's some of you that, that maybe not, maybe have come and gone and come again. Some of you that have are first-timers. Some of you, you know, I don't know, we're all over the map, but I'm going to put it in order. And the first Sunday of every month, I'm going to leave these cards out on the information desk. And you can fill them out and you can hand it to one of the ladies that are back there and they'll get it to me and, and we'll contact you. And on the first Sunday of every month, we're going to receive people who say, I want to connect with this local church. 
Now, I know many of you are connected. You're connected by relationship. Right now, you would say, well, I don't need that piece of paper. I'm connected. I understand you don't need it. I need it because it helps me in some of the things I need to do and I need to consider. Can you understand that? So, guys, I, I want you just to just go find an aisle here real quick. And in just a moment, this is what I want to do. Now, now they're going to go up and down the aisles. And if, and if that's you, just grab one from them. I'm not going to grab you today and drag you down here. But just grab one. Although you may want to be dragged, and, and I may accommodate that a little bit later. But, but I, I need you to grab one of these as they're going up and down the aisles. Because this is what I believe the Lord said to me. I believe the Lord said that this year there's going to be a hundred people that are going to connect in 2008 to Legacy. A hundred people are going to connect. And it starts with just putting it in order. And some of you have done this already. And if you've done this, if, if there was ever time, how do, I, how do you know if you've done this? If you've ever come down here and had Trace or myself hug your neck, shake your hand in a service and introduce you to the congregation, then you've been received formally. If that's never happened to you, then I want to make sure that happens. And all you have to do is go through the list that I went through. Are you at peace? Are you ready to toss your, toss your hat into the legacy tribe? Is the Holy Spirit involved in it? Because if it's not, I, I totally respect that. I respect those people that have come to me and have said, Pastor, I feel like God's leading me another place. Where you're going, I've had people look at me and say, where you're going, I'm not going. And you know what? It was hard to hear that as a pastor because you hate to watch people say they feel like God's leading them somewhere else. I hate that as a pastor. But having said that, I also understand God can do it. I also understand that he can lead people our direction too. And so I'm going to keep loose hands on the deal, but nonetheless, we're going to find out about order right now. So take a minute and look at that. And this is what I'm going to do because the first Sunday of every month, do I have any more? You have to go to the info desk. Hey, that's great. If I handed out that many, that's great. If you don't get one, please, the first Sunday of every month, I'm going to do this. And we're just going to love people and receive them into the church. And we're going to get to know you and, and you're going to get to know us. And we're just going to help you be connected. I want you to officially know that you're covered. I want you to officially know that uh, there, there's, a, there's a connection that's happening. It, I would think that would be a good thing. Now, I realize not everybody that got a card is ready to make that decision this morning. But I want you to know, every Sunday, now I'm getting back, every Sunday, first Sunday of every month, I'm going to do this. But I want to start this Sunday off by being able to do that, because I know some people are ready, willing, and able to make that decision. Not everybody, I understand. You're not coming down to receive Jesus, all right? You're going to come down, and, and, and we're just going to enjoy you. And rejoice that you would feel like God's leading you to connect. Some of you have already made that decision. I've had some people ask, they've said, Pastor, how is it that I officially connect? So I know it's already out there. If that's not you, that's cool. It may be next February, this next February, the first Sunday. So everybody's with me? I made that plain, but I need you to fill it up. Okay, stand with me, please. Do you feel like you've been taught the word today? Because this isn't like what I normally do. But this is important. Now, if you're here and you're ready to connect, and you filled that out, just slip on out here just for a minute. Come on. If you're ready to, to do that and you've not connected, come on down, Lord. Just come on down. I wanna, I'm just curious how many people have connected or hadn't formally. Come on. If that's you, 
Come on. If that's not you, it's cool. But I'm, I'm going to fix it right now and get this in order. Praise God. I really appreciate that. You know, well, come here and help me uh, for just a second. Um, and yeah, before you go, this is Noah's a youth pastor. Um, and before you go, now make sure you lay that in his hand. Because there's a lot of things I've got to just shore up. So I need your addresses and I want your phone numbers. And I'm looking, I just about know everybody, I believe. And if I don't, I can look at that and make sure I know it. See, now I'm looking at Hayward and Larissa. See, you guys have been with us. I mean, you're connected. But we've not formally done that. And so we're going to do that right now. Amen. And we're going to do that. Has everybody filled that out pretty good? Can you grab those real quick for me? Just grab. I, I want to. Real quick. If you get four or five, just hand them to me. All right. Here we go. Where's Chris, Christy, Christy Seiler? Just raise your hand. This is Christy, everybody. Amen. Rosemary Stafford. This is Rosemary. Carol Reddick. God bless you, Carol. Jimmy Kirby. I know Jimmy. I know Pam, too. Pam Kirby, right there. Laura Willard. Laura's with us. Can you hand me a couple more of those? Here, real quick. You can get some more. Um, Scott, Lisa, and Hannah Boyd. Just wave at me. There you are, right there. They're the boys. They're, they're connected to uh, Ed and Beverly and the Harns. That's... Dwight and Judith Adi, God bless you. You're my international contingent right there. Praise God. That was Judith right there. Thank you. Lee Leary, where's Lee? Lee's right there. Lee's been with me for years, though, haven't you, Lee? Praise God. Hayward, Larissa, Ella, and Forrest. They're right here. Praise God for all of you. Thank you. Brianna and Evangeline Youngblood Robinson. There you guys are. You've been with us a good while too now. You've, is, it, is it Tyrone, Lewis? Tyrone. Yeah, man. Tyrone. All right, man. You got to be here, don't you, man? You come with me. Jessica. Welcome, Jessica. Sarah. God bless you, Sarah. God's going to do big things in your life, young lady. I want you to know that. He is. Peggy and John Bird, God bless you. Naomi, God bless you, Naomi. You've been with us for a while, too. Jimmy and Louise Powers. I know you've been, Jimmy's casting his head. And God bless you, sir. God's going to heal your body. He's going to do some cool, neat things. And we're going to stand with you in that. Amen. Thomas J. Powers. God bless you, sir. You've been, you've been with us now for a while, too. So isn't that cool? Paula Freeman. There you are, Paula. God bless you. You've been here, too. See, I'm, all these folks have been with us here a good long while. Thank you, sir. And, uh, and, and it's just, this is what I believe. I'm just, I'm just spiritual enough to believe it, that at this moment, an umbrella just came up over your life and circumstance. I mean, I believe that. You guys, I'm telling you, the enemy, the enemy sits there and shoots stuff at you. And, and I just believe this is order to the Lord. Just, Carol, just, it just happened. And there's, and there's going to be a, some distinguishable difference. And let me just say, it's not, it's not legacy. It's, it's the Lord functioning under a principle. It's under a precept. 
So Paula, we welcome you. Wow, this is the whole Stone family. Brian and Lisa and Catherine. Uh, all of you, where are y'all? There y'all are. God bless you. Tom, Tammy, and Caleb. God bless you. God's got good things. Chris and Stephanie Sanders. Where's Chris? They're right there too. They're connected with the Harns. That's the Harn family tree there now. That's all that's going on there. Mary and Don Campbell. The Campbells right there. God bless you. We're so glad that you guys are with us. Gloria. After all these years, Gloria, I never got you down front and just received you into the church. Well, bad on me. And then Pat and Jerry Corley, where are you? There they are, right there. They're neighbors. They live right in our neighborhood. We see them walking all the time, the Corleys. We appreciate it. Did I get everybody? Did I miss anybody? I believe, did anybody get missed? If I did, I, I, is your, hang on. Oh, see, I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. How could I have missed that? All right, hang on here. I'm going to get mixed up. Give me too many cards and I'm going to get mixed up. Is that, is it, is it Karen? Karen in production? Helmbold. Helmbold. Helm. Helmbold. All right, I got it. You're with Denise. We're glad you're with Denise and we're glad you're with us. I'm so glad you made that today. You know, that ta- I, I realize, you know, it's just been a few weeks, but I appreciate you making that kind of decision that you're going to throw your hat in, in, in this tribe. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Amen. This was... Jean and Ursula Legrand. That's neat. That's neat. Did I get everybody or did I botch this up in any way again? Did I, did I do good? All right. I want everybody, lift your hands toward these folks right now. See, this is just setting it in order in the house. Father, thank you. Thank you right now for this great group of people. Lord, forgive me for just... Doing my best in times past to figure out how to connect, but I just, I just sense your spirit at this moment, at this moment, to just put things in order in such a way that you can begin, Lord, to release your army into the earth, to release your blessing into our midst, and Lord, to do things in these people's lives that are from you. Lord, I wish, I, I, not that even I would wish it, but Lord, I understand it has little to do with the label on the outside of this building. It has everything to do with functioning under a precept that's in your word. You are the chief shepherd. You shepherd all these people. Lord, you've just given me a stewardship for a short time in order to help them find your will and walk in your ways. And Lord, I take that seriously. And Lord, I receive them into the life of this body. Lord, they are a part of this tribe. And Lord, I declare right now that the full promise of God, the inheritance of God, all all the good things from God that exist in this tribe, Lord, I release upon them right now in Jesus' name. Lord, it doesn't matter if they were here the first hour in the middle of the day or at the end of the day, they get full payment of the blessing of the Lord. And we release that to them right now. And Lord, we just, we consider them brothers and we consider them sisters. And Lord, help us. Now, we've done the spiritual work 
Help us now, Lord, to follow through and, and all of us make those connections. Help us to love these people. Help us to fellowship with these people. Lord, help us to watch over one another and, and, and watch each other. And, and Lord, help be a blessing and an exhortation to one another. Lord, help us to build your kingdom, Lord, together. That part of it that you've asked of us to lay hold of. Help us to, to build it well, Lord. And I just pray your blessing upon each and every one. Lord, there may be others who are out here considering or thinking or just saying they want to take some time to pray about it, and I respect that incredibly. But Lord, guide them and direct them, I pray. And let them find their place, Lord, that they can, they can sense that affirmation. And Lord, we just thank you that your ways and your will are always right, good, and perfect. And, and we just rejoice in you. And I thank you, Lord. I feel like I feel like I'm just a dad here that's just has all this wonderful family. And Lord, now we all just are a family. We're a community together. And so let it be blessed, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's give the Lord a hand. Praise God. All right, guys. I love you. Appreciate you. You can go back. Guys, you're released. I hope to see you Wednesday night. Put it on your calendar. Just get started. Lesson, prayer, and uh, we're going to have a great 2008. So God bless you. You are released.